Now, it's the rest stop with Brad Restituto. Welcome to the Rest Stop. We're live on a Tuesday. Coming to you every Tuesday and Thursday, live from Las Vegas. We're broadcasting 9 to 10 o'clock Pacific time. And make sure to watch us live on www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. And also on my social media streams, Twitter and Facebook. And if you miss any of the show live, you can hear the audio version on Audio Boom, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Tune in app, iTunes, and you will search Landry Football Conference Call. So, and then you'll also search the rest stop, and then you can check out our podcast anytime you want, 24 hours a day. Make sure you give us a like and subscribe. So, we've got a good show for you today, an amazing football weekend. We had our picks. Uh, our guest picker, Dave Perry, who's in the chat now, he joined us and gave his picks. And I think we barely got by and were successful, myself and Spencer the Wizard, overtaking him. But a lot of football news today on this Tuesday. We'll get into it as Billy Donovan is no longer unemployed. The Chicago Bulls have decided to make him their new head basketball coach. And he's got a young team and looking to get them back into the conversation of playoffs for next season. We'll get into that. And uh, also a new name in college football, not the school you would think of but hall of fame defensive back Deion sanders is now the head football coach at jackson state university historically black college and has hired a couple big names to join his staff so we'll talk about that give our opinions a little bit but i think we'll start it off tonight uh with some basketball as we just had game three of the western conference finals wrap up in orlando in the bubble and the denver nuggets get back in the series they get the 114 106 victory over the los angeles lakers and really should probably have a two-to-one series lead as if it weren't for an Anthony Davis pretty much buzzer-beating three in game two, the, the Nuggets would have a two-to-one series lead. But they get one tonight, and they stay alive in this series. Jokic, Nikola Jokic had 30 points and six rebounds, nine assists to lead Denver. Anthony Davis had 39 for the Lakers to lead them. But the Nuggets stay alive in the series. And do they have the Lakers right where they want them? That being said, I'll introduce my compadre, Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter, at Spencer the Wiz. Big win tonight for Denver, Spence. They get back in the series. Jokic led the way with 30 for the Nuggets, and they probably should have a 2-1 to series lead in this one. But they find a way to stay alive tonight. Uh, what do you think about tonight's win from the Nuggets? Yeah, I thought they were a lot more consistent defensively. You know, even though Anthony Davis and LeBron James did go off, I think they focused on containing everyone else, which was a big uh, focal point. Before, I saw a lot of different defensive looks that honestly just didn't look great. In game two, there was at one point Jamal uh, Murray was guarding LeBron James. He obviously had that backdoor alley-oop. They had Plumlee on him a lot in game two, which I just wasn't a fan of. And theoretically, he matches up well with him athletically, but physically and speed-wise, it's just not there. They had their primary defender on him be Jeremy Grant. And given uh, his stats tonight, it's not great, but still, obviously, it ended up in them only scoring 106 points, which is pretty much below average for them. And obviously, it's a big win. You know, a 3-1 deficit is one thing, but 3-0 is obviously another thing. The Twitter universe, Spence, was talking about Jeremy Grant tonight, saying he may have landed himself some big money with how he's played in these playoffs. Your thoughts on Jeremy Grant? Look, this Nuggets team is young. They've been down before. They maybe have the Lakers right where they want them. Instead of being down 3-1, they're down 2-1, but they're never out of any series. They beat the favorite Clippers last series down 3-1. Uh, even though the Lakers look they may, like they may be in another gear, can't count the Nuggets out too early. Obviously not, yeah, without a doubt. I feel bad for Grant actually because the cap's going down this off season and, it, and the trend doesn't look like it's going to go back up afterwards either. So I think what you're going to see is uh, someone will pay him. It's just not as much as he wants to. And I don't, he plays in a great system too. And I think teams are going to have to rely on him to score three point shots at the same consistency as he is with the nuggets. But the only reason he has such a high percentage, I, th I believe is in the 40% 
is because he has so much space because of the floor spacers they have on the team and attention. You know, you get space because of Jokic in the paint. Obviously, Jamal Adams requires so much attention. So if you were to get signed to somewhere like the New York Knicks and they say, can you replicate this for us? I think no, but I don't think we'll find that out until next season. That's just my opinion. Spence, what have you seen the last two games from Rajon Rondo, a guy who didn't get much run throughout the bubble, had an injury, had uh, some time before he got back acclimated in the rotation with the Lakers, really showed up towards the end of that Houston series. What have you seen from Rajon Rondo in this series against the Nuggets? Yeah, he's been, without a doubt, one of the biggest surprises of the playoffs. You know, he does have championship experience. We all know that. But for him to actually go on the floor and be a legit contributor to the team is the most shocking to me. So it's been he's been great because LeBron James doesn't have to play the point guard role as much, which we all know LeBron James can, but I think he's most effective when LeBron can be a scoring wing that also acts as a contributor when he needs to, not a primary, primarily contributor. I want to ask you this question, Spence, and I'll throw it out to anybody in the chat that's a basketball fan watching this. Uh, does this bubble scenario, does this put any kind of asterisks on whoever wins the championship this year? And if it's the Lakers, is there any type of diminishing of legacies or maybe a small asterisk towards the team that wins the title in this pandemic shortened season in the bubble in Orlando? Yeah, I see where you're coming from. But the thing is, the way I look at it is every team had to go through the same exact thing. So it's almost a more special title if your team can come together through the pandemic, off of the break, and put this performance together to actually win a championship. It's almost more valuable to me because obviously there's no fans. So it's almost like who objectively is the best basketball team because nothing's getting swayed because of the home crowd. Yeah, and like you said, Spence, you made a good point there. Everybody's on the same playing field. It's just so different when you don't have that play, playoff atmosphere, and you know the crowds take it to another level when in playoff basketball, and especially with some of these passionate fans of the teams left playing here. Spence, let's kick it over to the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll have Game 4 coming up, I believe, tomorrow. And the Boston Celtics got back in the series after the Heat took a 2 nothing lead in that series. It's now 2-1. to one. Boston will be looking to even up the series. On paper, Boston looks like the team uh, that maybe should win the series. They've got the big three, but we, we know Jimmy Butler's got that dog in him. And if those Heat players, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, uh, Iguodala is a veteran that comes off the bench. If they can get rolling and knock down some shots, they can be tough to beat. How do you think game four uh, – plays out in that series does Boston get back into it and or can the Heat really take a stranglehold on this series by getting a win I was really not impressed by the Celtics in game three I have to admit you think this is a desperation you're down 0-2 it's this ultra competitive like you should be up in the series you know and they did have that lead at some points in the game but they didn't keep it and it didn't look like they were fully invested in the game even at the end you know obviously it was at that point where they can't blow the lead but to give up that many points to make the game a little closer than it should have at the end rubbed me off the wrong way. The effort level just doesn't seem there. There's something off in the locker room. And we know that there is that big fight. But even past that, it's just the effort level is like at a six when it should really be at a nine right now. Spence, who do you think is the most important player besides Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic in that series for the Heat to really kind of ensure that they can take uh, a big stranglehold on that series and maybe pro- pro- propel them into the finals? Is it Bam Adebayo? Yeah, without a doubt. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's Bam Adebayo. You know, the thing is, this offensive game isn't as developed, I think, as people would like to think. So if he can start hitting some of those turnaround jumpers, at least on a consistent rate, if he can get scoring up to like 14 points a game, that's that's something that the Celtics just quite literally can't account for because of how much talent they have on the perimeter. Uh, who do you think the toughest matchup is or, or the best matchup to put Adebayo on as far as the Celtics? Is it Tatum? Is it Tatum that they need to have him locked on? Or, or where do you think the best role to have Bam Adebayo on defense to really give the Heat their most effective, effective lineup on the court? Gosh, that's a that's a tough question. You know, theoretically, if you place him on Tatum the entire game, he'll be able to play physical. But I think primarily they need him in the paint. You got guys like Ennis Cantor, obviously, and Tatum himself will end up rolling to the lane uh, quite a few times during the course of the game. So I think, you know, planting him in the paint and making sure the paint is short up, I think they have enough talent on the perimeter to kind of contain that and force guys into the paint towards Bam Adebayo, where he is quite talented, obviously. Spence, how do you think game four plays out? 
I'm going to give it to the Heat. I, I just, I think they're way more locked in, and I think they're more focused. And I think the Celtics got their pity win, their desperation win in Game Three. But again, I just didn't like what I saw on the court, effort-wise, from the Celtics. So I'll give the Heat a 110-106 victory over the Celtics in Game Four. There you go. Briefly, Spence, and some more basketball news. WNBA, uh, our Las Vegas Aces, they tied up a series here in the semifinals of the WNBA playoffs, also in Florida. They took care of the Sun in comeback fashion tonight. Uh, Big win for Lambeer and the Aces, and current WNBA MVP Asia Wilson led the comeback tonight. Uh, Nice win for the Aces. Without a doubt, and I think the whole season's really just been about Jackie Young to me. Besides, you know, AJ's MVP season, I think the the real important part is that Jackie Young has finally come into her own. Still doesn't look like a first overall pick, but certainly looks like first round worthy, and that's what's helped propel the team. But the team scored zero three pointers tonight, and even if you get past the Sun, it's just this is unsustainable success the way they play basketball. I said that since the beginning. It's cool to see them in the playoffs. It's good to see them successful. But if they don't lose this series, it'll be whoever they play next, in my opinion. We'll have to monitor that, Spence. You have talked about that, and I'm interested to see how that plays out. So we'll transition into football. And, of course, we had our football pick. So we'll hit every game and talk about that and some other football news also. But let's start off, Spence, by talking about what we saw last night, especially here in, in Las Vegas The Las Vegas Raiders open up Allegiant Stadium here in town, unfortunately, to no fans. Uh, But in a game, unanimously, we thought uh, the Saints were going to dominate. That didn't seem to happen. They were without Michael Thomas, but the Raiders get a big win, and they score 30-plus points again. Uh, Gruden has had his team very disciplined, as I think they were only penalized one or two times in that game. Uh, They were efficient. They made plays when they need to. And what an enormous shot in the arm for this Raiders franchise, this city, and to start off. Monday Night Football, the ratings were as high as they've been, uh, and the team was fantastic last night and a big win. You're a diehard Raiders fan, Spence. I mean, talk about what the city felt like and talk about how big a win is to open up that stadium against an NFC Super Bowl contender in the New Orleans Saints. It, it, it's, it was bittersweet, without a doubt. My mom texted me, like, what's the stadium like? And I'm, I said, empty. You know, it, it, it just feels like there should be 65,000 people in there, but obviously – because of the health risk, that's just not possible. And I do agree with Davis on the front that we shouldn't just let you 5,000 people in. It just doesn't seem right. doesn't seem fair. Let's wait until we can put everybody in there. But it just sucks knowing that they're down the road. Well, not for me, I live in Pahrump, but for most people in Vegas, right down the road on this beautiful new stadium, they can only look from the outside in. But it looked like there's a ton of people in the parking lot having their little tailgate party, which I think is really cool. And I would love to see if they – would let some fans in to maybe watch games on some road games. But I don't know, like overall for the game, I'm not sure if I'm drinking the Kool-Aid just yet. I I just, for the past 23 years, have been tortured basically as a Raiders fan. It doesn't seem sustainable. And I'll I'll tell you why. Still had the worst secondary in the league, it goes without say. Although I am very impressed with DeMond Arnett's ability to tackle. He's, he looks like one of the best tackling corners in the league already, but Carr is still averaging probably like three three yards per attempt through the air. He'll definitely be the lowest in the NFL without a doubt. It, it feels like at some point somebody has to figure it out. He's been mad accurate without – but that's that's his thing. He's very accurate in short passes, but the two passes that he had to Ruggs were like 10 yards past him. They weren't even right. close. And I don't know. It's just – it depends on, I guess, if you like Alex Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think Alex Smith runs a little bit more than, than Carr. I, I, I think Carr, you're right. He misses some on the deep balls. Uh, I do like what he can do in the pocket at times, but I don't know, man. There's just something that's missing for me, Spence. I mean, I just can't really pinpoint it exactly, but I'm like, there's just something missing. There's just not that that juice or that you know that big big play, that big throw. I mean, he made a couple good ones, but man, they're just. It's got to be a little bit more, and I think they're missing something. I think it's going to be interesting to see them travel to Foxborough because I think that's their next matchup, right, against the Patriots, who had a really impressive performance traveling all the way to the West Coast to take on the Seahawks, who looked unbeatable in week one against the Falcons and really stood toe-to-toe with Seattle in that game, and it came down to the end. They had a chance there at the end, got the ball down to the one-yard line uh, with under five seconds left, 
and they couldn't quite punch it in. And Seattle ended up getting the victory 35-30. Before we hit on that, Spence, let's, let's finish up with a little bit more of the Raiders talk there. Um, they had a big turnover to end the first half, and they turned that into points, and then they came down the first drive in the second half and scored a touchdown. Uh, some guys in the chat and, of course, all across the landscape of Sports Talk Radio, ESPN, uh, Josh Jacobs is a superstar. A lot of people are saying for the Raiders, if he can stay healthy, he had a little bit of injury issues last year, and we got to give Gruden and that offense credit. They were banged up on the offensive line. Trent Brown, their star tackle, paid a lot of money, hurt. Richie Incognito, left guard, uh, was banged up during practice, tried to get out and play, but he couldn't finish the game with injury, and they're still able to be effective and keep drives alive. Gruden, Spence had some guts in the fourth quarter, sending Daniel Carlson out there for a 54-yard field goal to ice the game. That was a ballsy move. If, if that backfired, that game could have ended up going to overtime. Gruden deserves a lot of credit, and he's getting it this far. Uh, stepping it up is one of the coaches in this league that's going to make uh, some creative play calling and have some have some guts, and he certainly did on Monday night. Gruden looking like, uh, looking like the man and worth every bit of that contract. And we've talked about the expanded – Playoffs this year, the Raiders, I know we're only two games in, but they're going to be in the conversation there at the end if they stay healthy. I'm I'm not ready to go there yet. I would like to see how defenses with more game tape on the way Derek Carr is playing this season, you know, end up playing in the future. And obviously the Raiders still can't get any pressure on the quarterback, which is really bad. And yeah, it doesn't matter if they lose to the Chiefs twice, which they obviously will. But no, Gruden had this is the greatest coach game that he's had uh, in his most recent stint with the Raiders. That kick in the post game conference, he said, "If the if the Chiefs can do it, so can we." So <laughs> I like that he's thinking that way. I like that he's thinking we are as good as the Chiefs, even though he probably knows they're not. It's pretty obvious. I like that our coach is someone who's stepping up and willing to say, "Hey, we we trust our guys, and we're going to put them out there in places to be successful." And that's huge for Carlson, who looked like his career was over two years ago, because I believe he was the kicker who missed a big kick for the Vikings, wasn't he? Yes, he is. He missed a few big kicks, um, and the Vikings cut him loose. He was a draft pick. He was drafted by them, and he's really flourished with the Raiders under Gruden and company. Real quick, Spence, you talk about that defense not getting pressure. I noticed in the lineup, uh, former first-round pick of last year, Cleveland Farrell from Clemson, is not a starter for this defensive line of the Raiders. Talk about – him, why he's not seeing the field, and is is it injury? Is this guy not producing? Is he going to produce? What are your thoughts on this guy? Big high draft pick last year for the Raiders. Yeah, it, it he had the highest defensive rating for any single player in the first week. But what's that worth when you gave up as many points as they did to the Panthers? I'm not ready to call him a bust yet because again, he does have these games where that, that don't kind of shine on the on the stat sheet necessarily, but overall, like he has some big run stops. So. He's just a primarily run-stopping kind of guy. They, they wanted him to develop into a pass rusher. He gained 20 pounds of muscle in the offseason. So he's he's obviously invested, but it looks like they're uh, putting him on the inside now. They're pretty much off of him being an edge rusher, and I am as well. Max Crosby is significantly better than him off the edge. And you got, you got guys like Carl Nassib and stuff like that. So even just roster moves-wise, they've invested outside of him. It's disappointing because... People see him as the replacement, I guess, for Cleo Mack, but that's not the real reality, you know, because it's a one for one because that was the pick. But you also have to think like, okay, they got Jonathan Abrams because of the draft assets, you know, and all the cap space, all the different guys that they picked up in free agency. So it's not just a one for one type of situation. Spence, let's hit that Sunday night game that we were talking about for a minute, Patriots and Seahawks, and some would say it was the game of the weekend as it went back and forth kind of late there. The Seahawks look incredible with Russell Wilson behind center. Uh, really kind of was – the Patriots were gifted that pick six within the first couple minutes of the game as Greg Olson's pass deflected right off of his hands into McCourty's hands for the pick six, and that started off the Patriots with the 7-0 lead. But Cam Newton really looked solid in this game. It looks like the Patriots got themselves a steal. Josh McDaniels uh, pulling the strings as the offensive coordinator really did some great things with Cam, and Cam threw some really, really accurate balls to Julian Edelman as Edelman had over a buck sixty receiving. And Cam looked really good 
but it wasn't quite enough because the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson is just next level. He's a, he is a top three quarterback in this league without question. And he single-handedly carries that Seattle team on his back, but that game ended up becoming closer than it should have. Seattle ended up with the win and the cover 35, 30, but it, it wasn't for a scare down at the one yard line with Cam Newton and the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots would be looking at two and right now, Spence. I I'm equally as I'm probably more impressed with the Patriots than you are. I'm very impressed with Cam Newton, his passing ability. He rarely made those passes in Carolina, to be honest with you. So obviously they're working very heavily with him. That whole thing in the off season where he wasn't getting enough snaps seemed to be just a bunch of smoke grenades, which is pretty par for the course for the Patriots, obviously who never seem to be too invested in one thing and like to keep people guessing. Uh, it just the thing about Cam Newton that surprises me the most is that why didn't the Bears go after him? They, they traded for Nick Foles, but they're not interested in Cam Newton. Is he would he not be an upgrade in that system? And Nick Foles is even playing. It's I don't know. I, I I'm not ready to say like oh the league's on on fraud watch because they didn't sign Cam Newton. There's obviously there was a ton of risk involved, and I don't think he would be as successful if it wasn't for a franchise like the Patriots. You know. You could be right, but I tell you what, the Patriots are, are surprising, Spence. We talked about it. You weren't as high on them coming in to the season, but right now, uh, if you're buying stock, you're you are uh, you're buying on the Patriots because they look in a division where their main competition is the Buffalo Bills. Man, they look strong, and uh, we know their defense will will keep them in games. Uh, it was unfortunate news if you heard on the broadcast of running back. James White, uh, his father passed away in a car accident the same day as the game, and his mother is in the hospital. That's just awful news. And, of course, uh, our condolences out to him and, and his family and just really tough for the Patriots and the Patriots franchise. Uh, but this is something they could rally around, Spence. It really is. Uh, one of their their mainstays in that locker room, James White, somebody that's loved by uh, – current and former teammates and the coaching staff. This is something they could rally around. And look, if Newton continues to play the way he's playing, we we talked about it. He was so accurate on some passes yesterday and really surprise, surprisingly played so, so well. Um, made it made a few bad passes, but his decisions were pretty solid. And look, this is a team that doesn't have a ton of weapons, but he's making some guys look good. I mean, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, Bird, Bird. He, he was a, a flash in that game. He was getting all kinds of targets, making some catches. Uh, Nikhil Harry made a few plays. Uh, they're going to be in some games if they play like they played on Sunday night, Spence. So it's going to be interesting to follow uh, the Patriots under Cam Newton. Can Cam stay healthy for 16 games? That's going to be something also. He looks great now, but um, how many more of those hits can he take running the ball in that kind of scheme, which is a good scheme, and I like it, but I don't know if Cam can take some of the hits on a week-to-week basis and stay healthy. We'll have to wait and see. But it was fun to watch. That was a great game, maybe the game of the week. Spence, pull up the graphic again, our picks. As, uh, you can see Dave Perry in the chat. He was our guest handicapper selector on Thursday, and he tried to beat the believer in the Wiz. And if he did, uh, he would come back next week and defend his title. He would have to beat us both. Uh, Spence, run it down. Uh, Dave did not succeed this week. None of us were great. Um, but we were good enough to beat Dave, and uh, you'll see our records up there. So uh, t- talk about the records for myself, for you, and for Dave, and uh, we'll see if anybody wants to join in next week and try to take us down. Yeah, so I went 8-15 and 15 this week. You went 7-15, and 15, and uh, Dave went 6-15. and 15. So technically, we did both beat him. Uh, this is obviously our overall record with combined with week one. Like I said uh, last week, professional sports gamblers – win between 50 and 55% of the time. That's the average. Anybody who says they win 60% of the time is lying, basically. And I, <laughs> even though I hit over 60% of my first week, I said I fully expect to regress back to the mean. It's just impossible to hit at a 60% rate. Sports are just too chaotic in that sense. But as long as you can stay in that 50 to 55% range, really happy. So I'm glad I didn't you know, go below that. Neither of us did. So we're right there. We're basically where everybody is on the sports betting side. Yeah, I was also a little disappointed because uh, I had some really good plays, but the two I liked the most uh, definitely crapped the bed and they were the worst picks of the week. And I was disgusted with them. But let's start off 
against in a divisional matchup, Jacksonville against Tennessee. You'll see that up there. We were both on Jacksonville plus eight and a half, Spence. Uh, Tennessee had command of that er- game early, but Jacksonville came through late and they got within the number. We've talked about Gardner Minshew in a loss. This guy, he, he keeps showing up every week and keeping Jacksonville close. Are we convinced yet? And what is it going to take to be convinced that this guy is the future for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, I think the Jaguars were hoping that Minshew wouldn't be this good because they want Trevor Lawrence from what I understand. But again, he he keeps playing well above expectations every single week. And I thought this line was crazy to begin with. So I was really happy with it anyways. Divisional game too. It just everything about it, uh, you know, pointed towards that. And it's it's the thing is like Minshew's not grabbing these leads and losing it. He's kind of getting them back into games by himself. So this Jaguar team's I think deserves a lot more credit than they deserve going to the season. And they're playing better than I ever expected them to. Their their young guys are stepping up a lot faster than they should be. And speaking of the Jaguars, they're on a short week and they're back in action Thursday night at home taking on the Miami Dolphins in a battle of the Florida teams. And we'll preview that game before we sign off tonight and we'll tell you who we like there. Um, the Tennessee Titans, though, 2-0 for the first time in a long time. Uh, Tannehill, Derrick Henry getting the job done for Tennessee. I'm a, I'm a big fan of head coach Mike Vrabel, Spence, and they made a great playoff run last year and they seem to build that momentum at the start of this year. And uh, off the 2-0 start, they travel to Minnesota next week to take on uh, the Vikings, who are 0-2. So your thoughts on Tennessee and head coach Mike Vrabel? Without a doubt, I'm very high in this team. Just because I took the Jaguars doesn't mean, you know, we we both agree on that sentiment that just because we took the Jaguars this week doesn't mean we're not big fans of Tennessee. They just don't play a game where they're going to be winning by blowing out teams. Tannehill had probably his best game as a Titan. Those efficient, like, seven of 10 for three touchdowns. That's exactly what they need from him because, you know, Derrick Henry's going to put in a lot of work. He looks like he hasn't lost a step. And you do worry about that. At least I do, especially with Josh Jacobs contract coming up in a couple of years that as soon as they sign the dotted line that they're just, you know, they're like, all right, I'm, I got it made. I'm good to go now. Spence in one of the most insane games of the weekend, Dallas and Atlanta, we were both on in Atlanta plus four and a half. And it looked like um, that was going to be an easy win. Somehow Dallas came full circle and a crazy onside kick that was recovered by Dallas. They ended up winning the game. Was it 40 to 39, the final? Spence, what are yeah. your thoughts on this wild game, one of the most wildest games we've anybody's ever seen? Could it be anyone but the Falcons, I guess, is probably the best way to describe this game. I mean, come on. It's crazy. They gave up that to the, to the fault of the Falcons, besides the botched special teams onside kick. You can't let a team score that fast. And that was another criticism I had of the Raiders game. That game almost went to overtime. You know, we, we had mentioned that if they hadn't, if they missed that field goal, the Saints are at midfield with tons of time left on the clock to go down and, and tie the game. So I think teams need to be playing less conservative at the end of the games because when they do it, it just ends up going so fast. And they, then there's like four minutes left or three minutes left and anything can happen at that point. And that's obviously what happened in this game as well. All right, Spence, pull up Corey Fulton's comment. We'll hit his fantasy question real quick before we go to the next game. Uh, Devontae Freeman, who just signed with the Giants after losing Saquon Barkley. Mike Davis, who's filling in for Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. Um, I'm going to agree with Dave on this one, Spence. Mike Davis, he can catch it out of the backfield. He's going to get the primary bulk of the carries in Carolina. I think it's going to take a little time for Devontae Freeman. He hasn't been in the offseason program with the Giants. He doesn't know the system. Uh, It's going to be really important for him to understand the passing uh, blitz pickups, the, the the pass blocking scheme under Joe Judge and company in New York. So it may be some time before he gets the full amount of the carries in uh, in New York. So maybe long-term Freeman, maybe the guy short-term Mike Davis, I believe, uh, as McCaffrey's expecting to be back a- around four weeks. Spence, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment, on that sentiment in that if you're looking for a one-week stint and you need a guy to produce for you this week, I would definitely take Mike Davis. But overall, I think the Giants have a really good run system in place, and I think Freeman can be successful in that in that system. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his, and it's unfortunate that his career really fizzled out in Atlanta. But, yeah, it, so it depends on your situation with your team. If you really need that juice going into next week, or if you're looking for the long game, I would take Freeman. Yep. Uh, so the next game, Spence, on the docket, and of course, uh, one of my most disappointing picks in games of the weekend as uh, I had an opportunity for three 
parlay tickets to cash or at least be alive going into Monday night had the Vikings stayed close in that game. Uh, they get blown out in an embarrassing fashion against the Colts, 28-11. to 11. Kirk Cousins, his worst pass-rated game in his entire career as he threw zero touchdown passes and three interceptions at a .15 rate, two safeties in consecutive weeks for Cousins and the Vikings, and, and a just dreadful performance offensively. Defense was a little better, but you should be sacking the statue Phillip Rivers four or five times. You should be sending blitzes at him. Didn't happen. Mike Zimmer looks like he's got egg on his face early in the year. He just signed an extension. His job can be in jeopardy. Uh, Vikings off to an 0-2 start. Not good. And, and the Colts uh, avenged their week one loss to Jacksonville and a big home win uh, in the first win for Phillip Rivers as an Indianapolis Colts, Spence. Yeah, and they look good doing it as well. And that's what I expected them to look like in week one against Jacksonville. But I guess it was just because it's like this new team thing, so – they weren't ready, but now that they have a little game tape under them, they look better. I still like the Colts long term, so I just I'm still not going to bet on them ever again. I hate Philip Rivers, but uh, I, yeah, yeah. Mo Ali Cox was a was big tight end for for the Colts. Had some big first downs, some big plays. Remember, Rivers loved to use Antonio Gates Gates as a charger from that tight end position. So, um, Corey, some more fantasy advice if anybody. Uh, needs a tight end or looking for a high usage, a high efficiency tight end. Mo Ali Cox for the Colts is going to be somebody that's going to score you some touchdowns and he's going to fill that Antonio Gates role uh, for the Colts. I know Jack Doyle is a part of that lineup, but Cox is definitely the guy uh, that's going to score touchdowns, just like Eric Ebron did for Detroit a couple years ago. And, and he did for Indianapolis, I believe also. Um, so Mo Ali Cox is definitely somebody you want to look out for, for the Colts. Uh, Dave, I'm sorry that I convinced you to pick the Vikings, but you have your, your own picker there. So don't blame me completely. Okay. The Vikings, uh, they're definitely a sell team. They're a two and a half point underdog taking on the Titans this coming week. And uh, how could you possibly bet them right now as bad as they looked? And, of course, if I bet against them this week, they'll find a way to win. So I'm going to save my opinion on that now, that one uh, for later in the week. Um, Spence, let's hit, hit the next round of those games in there. And, uh, Spence, we, we took Dave out in this one. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their first home game, they get a nice win as they were leading by double digits most of that game. And they take care of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, talked about it in the chat there that Christian McCaffrey was hurt and lost for about four, six weeks in that matchup. Nice game by Brady. Nice win for the Bucs as they get back on track with a division victory against Carolina Spence. Yeah, this was pretty expected for me. I, I, again, I wasn't in love with the line, but I, I, I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady, not until I see a long term where he's just bad every single week. And Carolina is just not very good. You know, the Raiders basically blew them out uh offensively so uh, the Buccaneers I think are much more poised offensively than the Raiders and it, and I, I'm not I'm actually a big fan of the Buccaneers defense I think they're pretty explosive maybe not the best overall but the turnovers were uh where I expected them to be so they're they're playing to their abilities now we'll see if they can continue that trend going forward Spence off the top of your head who does Tampa Bay have next week do you know uh no I, I actually don't know We'll have to look into that. Uh, I'm interested to see uh, Tampa Bay if they're at home or away next week. But a nice performance by Brady and the Buccaneers getting the win in division and covering that spread pretty easily against Carolina. Uh, Low-scoring, kind of ugly game. The next one, Spence, the Bears, uh, they had a 17-0 lead close to halftime against the Giants. Giants lost Saquon Barkley with a torn ACL on the year. Uh, but they end up winning but not covering 17-13. Uh, any thoughts uh, on the Giants? Did the Giants have any hope this year? And, and Mitch Trubisky made a few plays, but again, back to kind of same old Mitch, not anything that blew you away. What are your thoughts on both of these teams, Spence? Yeah, what a disappointing loss for us against the spread. I didn't take this game personally, but it felt like such a good bet. Even after losing Saquon, you think, okay, they've lost Saquon. They should just go forward take care of business like 31 to 17 or whatever, 12 and something, something small. But of course the bears just find a way, even though they're two and O to just not look that great. It's crazy. And you know what the giants now are just completely done for. Uh, the giants, I, I believe they played the, the 49ers next week and we'll talk about the 49ers, but that's a team decimated by injury. So that's going to be a, a tough one, a game where if guys are healthy, it'd be easy to handicap. You would think, you would either be 
probably on the Niners or nothing, but you got to really take a, a strong look at the Giants this week against the 49ers, a team that is just ravished by injury. So we'll talk about that a little bit later when we hit the 49ers recap. Uh, but that's going to be one to follow, Spence, Giants, 49ers coming into week three. Next game from week two, it was the Lions and the Packers. We were all on the Packers. and Got off to a scare if you were a Packers backer in the beginning of that game. The Lions got off to a quick start, but Aaron Rodgers and company really pulled away late. Aaron Jones had over uh, 175 all-purpose yards. I believe he had over 220 all-purpose yards. He had 160-plus running. He had over 60 receiving, and he was fantastic for the Packers. And they score 30-plus points in two straight games, and they end up winning and covering by the biggest margin of the weekend. Uh, Your thoughts on the Packers, Spence? Yeah, there's a reason there's four quarters in football, right? I was a little nervous too, but – over a long-term game, I, I have no doubt that the Packers can come back from like a 10-point deficit, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, and your thoughts on the Lions? I mean, they, they've blown two leads now in two two straight weeks. Uh, I believe double-digit leads. This is what they did last year. I mean, you know some Giants fans out – or I'm sorry, some Lions fans out there. I mean, I like Matt Stafford. I think he's a, a franchise quarterback, but he's just not having any luck in Detroit – can the Lions somehow salvage a season and get back on track? I mean, they're a team that can can beat teams. They can take leads. They just can't find a way to get over the hump. They feel cursed. There's, it's just I mentioned it before. There's a certain stink around the team, and I don't think they can, you know, <laughs> something has to drastically change. I don't know if that, it's not a it's not a head coaching change. It's, it's got to be a general manager or, again, I think the owners should leave. And until that happens, they're just always going to be this way. I, I don't know why. It's something in the air. Kind of like the Cleveland Browns. Uh, well, look, the the Lions, they travel to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. They had a double-digit lead on the Cardinals last year in week one. and The Cardinals ended up coming back, and that game ended up in a tie. Uh, so I may back the Lions this week because we know that they're capable, and uh, I think they can keep this game close. So we'll see how that one uh, lines up when we fall on that. Spence, the next round of games here, uh, Dolphins, Dave's Dolphins against the Bills. The Bills had control of that game for most uh, of the game until late where the Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins came and scored a late touchdown backdoor, got the cover as 31-28, I believe, was the final. Uh, great performance by Josh Allen. He really looks uh, to be one of the studs through two weeks in the NFL. Diggs had a touchdown, his first touchdown as a Billy out of 100 yards receiving. John Brown got in the end zone. Uh, the Bills, they look like the favorite. And uh, the Dolphins, they're just uh, – the Dolphins, they just don't have enough guns in the holster to really be too competitive this year. But the Bills get a big win. Don't get the cover, though, Spence. Yeah, this is one of those disappointing games, too, where they had no business being that close late. And you, like, basically knew that the Bills were going to end up going and winning the game. And it was just annoying to watch from a sports better's perspective, being that, like, there's no reason why the Dolphins should be scoring late for no reason. And the Bills went right down and scored, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, Dave's beating his chest over there about betting against his Dolphins. But, Dave, it's, it's too bad that even taking your Dolphins – couldn't quite get you over the hump as me and the Wiz and not our best performances still outdid you. So unfortunately, you won't be making it back in the rest stop circle to give any picks. But you can still stand by in the chat and uh, give your uh, opinion from the peanut gallery. And, and maybe your Dolphins will find a way to get a win uh, this Thursday as they travel to Jacksonville to take on Minshew Mania. Uh, but as it stands now, uh, your Dolphins are on track to uh, fight for – well, they have two us. So what are they going to do if they get the number one overall pick? Are they going to trade it to get Trevor Lawrence? Uh, I don't know. But your Dolphins, they got a lot of work to do before they get their first win on the board. And I don't think it happens this week against Jacksonville. So sorry about your luck there, Dave. Even your Dolphins couldn't propel you to a winning record this week against the Believer and the Wiz. The next matchup, Spence, we all sweep the board here. Is the, the probably the maybe the worst team or two in the league, the Jets. Um they, uh, they they fell pretty hard to the 49ers, and the Niners got ravished by injury. Uh, Nick Bosa out for the year with the ankle injury. Solomon Thomas out for the year, ankle injury. Jimmy Garoppolo leaves the game. Uh, the Niners, who represented the NFC in the Super Bowl last year, they uh, they, they, they could be 
out this year because they're just ravished this far by injuries. Tough break. They still get the win in the covers. They scored 31 points against the Jets. Your thoughts on the, all these injuries for San Francisco and what this does for them for the rest of the year? Yeah, and it looked like – I want to say it looked like they're coming on track, but I think anybody who plays the Jets can look like they're getting back on track. But it looked like it was going to be a confidence win at the very least. So it's it's unfortunate to lose not only – like big guys, but these are key contributors. Your quarterback position is always going to be the most important for the most part. But to lose an edge rusher, just it's a completely different facet of your game. And they obviously traded away DeForest Buckner, so they don't have him anymore. He's on the Colts now. It, it's just it's not a great look, but we'll see. I mean, they're going to have to try to weather it out. I think that once Grappler comes back, they'll be fine coasting into the playoffs, but that's when the worries start happening when you play playoff games. Coasting in the playoffs, Spence. I mean, that's 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 a little strong. I mean, Mostert was hurt also. You lose your two best defensive players in a really tough division where Seattle looks almost unstoppable. Arizona's 2-0. Um, I mean, it's going to be tough for them to even get in the mix. And, and look, the Rams are playing good football. The Rams are 2-0, are they not? Yeah, uh, they are. So San Francisco, they may be on the outside looking in. Uh, I don't know that they coast any playoffs with some of these injuries on defense. So they've got a lot of work to do, and they've got to get healthy. And do they panic? Do they panic with some of these injuries and, and try to make a play for somebody on another roster, a team that's looking to throw in the towel? Maybe, I don't know, like the Vikings. They've got some defensive players that can play. I don't know. Um, but they did draft. They drafted a guy that can make some plays. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the Niners. But they're in a tough spot because there's some 2-0 teams in their division that are really tough and some other competition that if they don't find a way to win some games, they're going to have their hands full getting into the playoffs. Next game, Spence, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they win. They don't get the cover against the Denver Broncos team who lost starting quarterback Drew Locke and still found a way to keep that game close. I have not been a Steelers fan for many years. I think they're very overrated. Big Ben's seen his best days behind him. I'm a Mike Tomlin fan, but I don't know. I just don't trust the Steelers. I, I think they're an 8-8 eight eight team, uh, maybe 7-9 at best. They were 8-8 eight eight last year. Uh, I think they repeat that. It doesn't matter if it's Duck Hodges, if it's Ben Roethlisberger. I don't care if Terry Bradshaw comes back uh, from his reality show and puts on a uniform and starts slinging around for the Steelers. The Steelers are an 8-8 eight eight team as far as I'm concerned, no matter who's behind center. They just are that team. You, they're definitely not cursed. It's the Steelers. they got a great legacy. But with Mike Tomlin and with Ben Roethlisberger and, and since Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell left, this team's average. And uh, they, they got some good play, but there's no reason they shouldn't beat that Denver Broncos team without Drew Locke by double digits. They find a way to keep it close. Uh, your thoughts on the Steelers? Yeah, I'm not I'm not that off. I, I think the best they have the best defense in football. So that's that's better than eight and eight, especially in a season where there's so many bad football teams. I There's more in, in this season than I've ever seen in recent memory. So there's no way that they sneak pass especially in a division where the browns and the Bengals aren't good so that's four wins automatically i have to i have to believe that they're going to get victories outside of that and they've already beaten the broncos but still i want you to yeah. find out uh when the steelers play the browns this season and uh okay. if you can look up for me the steelers schedule the next five or six weeks as we rotate to the next game i'll have you look that up um, sounds good as we we get through the steelers they didn't cover uh, against Denver. Denver, like we said, lost Drew Locke. They got some players, but uh, Denver's in a bad spot. Vic Vangio, head coach for Denver. He's one of the coaches that is on the hot seat as far as not wearing his mask as some coaches got fined this week, $100,000 for not wearing their masks properly. Uh, Vic Vangio is one of those. John Gruden for the Raiders is another one of those. Next game on the board, we all swept, and uh, it was an easy fashion as the Ravens back-to-back -back weeks winning and covering easily as they took care of business and beating the Houston Tech Texans and Spence, the Ravens. Uh, they look along with the Chiefs as the favorite to come out of the AFC really strong. Lamar Jackson hasn't seemed to lost a beat and, uh, and they can run the ball. They can pass the ball and their defense is solid. And the matchup is next week. Ravens Chiefs. Uh, I believe that's going to be – is that going to be Monday night? That's going to be a great one to watch. The ratings are going to stay high on that one. And the Ravens are going to be a three-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. They get a big win against the Houston team that uh, we we both really like Deshaun Watson, but we don't like uh, what Bill O'Brien's done around him and with him. Uh, so talk about the Ravens and, and then talk about the Houston Texans. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly say about the Texans. I, we've said this from the beginning. I think they stink. So <laughs> I'm out on the Texans. I, I don't think they did anything good in the offseason. Uh, on to the Ravens. It's not about the regular season for the Ravens, right? They did this last season. They're just dominant team. And then as soon as they go to the playoffs, they face a good defense. Then they don't look so good. So I think it'll be another type of thing. I, I won't believe anything until I see it. Spence, I'm going to give you the lead on this next one. Eagles Rams. I, I said I was hesitant. I didn't like my pick, but I had to go with it. Ended up you were right by a mile as the Rams really controlled the Eagles in this one. Uh, Rams get the win and get the easy cover on the road against the Eagles. Yeah, I was totally on top of this game. I'm, I'm really impressed with the uh, Rams right now. I, going into the season, I thought they'd be just as bad as they were before. But hey, look what they're doing now. I don't know how I feel about Jared Goff. You know, is he is he really back? Is he back to that form when they're in the Super Bowl? I'm not sure. But I think this was more about the Eagles just not looking great this season. They kind of have this makeshift team that nobody knows what to do with. And again, Carson Wentz, I don't think has has as much juice as people like to give him credit for. I don't. I never expect them to coast after their Super Bowl, and it looks like they're going way downhill. So they're one of the weirdest Super Bowl teams. But everyone. Every once in a decade, you're going to have one weird Super Bowl team. <laughs> Spence, the, the Rams, uh, I really like Coach McVay. He, he looks to have gotten these guys back on track after kind of that Super Bowl hangover. And he is definitely one of the more creative coaches in the league. And if you can get Jared Goff to really thrive in that play-action game and you got Aaron Donald and some of those pieces on defense that can make some plays, uh, the Rams are going to be right there in the discussion in the NFC and off to a good start at, at 2-0. and So uh, I'm really – kind of interested to see if the Rams can sustain this and if they can stay healthy. I think they've got a chance to be in the conversation. Uh, a team a, a team in a game you were very high on last week, Spence, in a team that, that looks to be maybe the most improved this year. <laughs> the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, they took care of the Redskins and dominated most of that game. Kyler Murray looked fantastic, and the addition of DeAndre Hopkins is a big one. Uh, Cardinals get the easy win and cover against the Redskins. Spence. Tell us why you like the Cardinals so much and can they sustain this throughout the year? I think we all knew the Cardinals were going to be better this season, right? That goes without saying. You get DeAndre Hopkins. You have these young pieces. I think they should have drafted Becton, the offensive line. I think that would have been much better pick. Wow, he's been great so far. Oh, he's been absolutely amazing. And I, he was the, yes, he was the definitive best offensive tackle in the draft. It was surprising that he was even going to be falling to the Cardinals and yet they, they passed up on him. But that's neither here nor there. Look, Murray has stepped up significantly more than I thought he would. I thought he, I knew he would be better, but to be as good as he is, to be able to use his legs as effectively as he is, he's really modeling himself after Russell Wilson to a surprisingly great rate. And I wish the Raiders had drafted him, but (laughs) that's, that's another. Yeah. And and look, we'll go to the next round of games, Spence, but yeah, you, you wish the Raiders would have drafted him. John Gruden was very high on him. Uh, a lot of reports were saying coming into the draft. So I'm sure if they could have found a way to get their hands on him, they would have. Spence, let's finish up the games here. Uh, Chiefs and L.A. Chargers. You don't have the Patriots Seahawks on there. Uh, is oh, one of the games. I think I think we were all on the Seahawks. But look, this Chiefs game, we were all wrong. And it, it was a close game. Divisional matchup, opening up uh, so high state. So, is it so high stadium in L.A.? Uh I don't know. The LA Stadium for the Chargers. Uh, it was a close game, and the Chargers probably should have won it. They let the Chiefs hang around, and the Chiefs found a way to win. Justin Herbert was given the call 10, 20 seconds, he said, before uh, kickoff, and he was great. He was great filling in for Tyrod Taylor, threw for over 300 yards, and really the Chargers should have won that game, Spence. Yeah, th- I, this is something I had predicted that might happen. I just hate going against the Chiefs because any divisional game, especially you have a top 10 defense without injuries, which is something, a rarity almost, you can say, in the NFL right now. So they're, they have, they're one of the only teams that are all together, and they showed that. And I Herbert was quite impressive in that game, I have to say. So AFC West is not a pushover just yet, although the Broncos might be with Driscoll at the helm for, who knows, four to six weeks. Right, and... Anthony Lynn, head coach of the L.A. Chargers, is doubling down, saying Tyrod Taylor's his guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's healthy, he's out there and playing. I think that's the wrong decision. What do you think, Spence? Herbert Herbert should be their guy. I don't understand why he has this undying loyalty to Tyrod Taylor, who is a decent quarterback. But, I mean, look at the difference between week one and week two, right? 
I don't think they placed a much better defense in week one than they did week two. I think the Chiefs defense is fine. And why would you not want to roll with the guy who you drafted so early who looks like he's ready to step forward? I don't know. I, I I I can't quite understand why he's so on Tyrod Taylor as if he this was some guy who they had been invested in for ten years or something like that. Uh, yeah, Bravo, you're right. Harrison Buckter, the kicker for for the Chiefs, was was amazing. Three kicks uh, over fifty yards in real time there in the last couple minutes of the game. There's zero question he will win Special Teams Player of the Week in the AFC and, and for the league for for the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. He was great. He won the game for him, and this is what you get a kicker to do. And for the Super Bowl defending champions, a guy that's this clutch as your kicker, what a great asset to have as the Chiefs, not in impressive fashion, but they get it done. They get the win. They move to 2-0 and and a great matchup on Monday night this next week against the Baltimore Ravens, battle of 2-0 and teams and probably favorites in the AFC. We talked at the beginning of the show, Saints and LA Raiders. What a great way to open up Allegiant Stadium for the Raiders. They get the win and they're 2-0, you mentioned in that conference. But the Saints spent without Michael Thomas, a lot of people saying Drew Brees may be on the decline. From what you saw last night, uh, is it something that the Saints may be looking, if they don't get back on track, to uh, pull the plug early on Drew Brees? Or is this just one game and we're overreacting? I don't know. It might be time to take a breeze behind the shed, if you know what I'm saying. That pick, <laughs> that interception was so bad. And also his inability to throw the ball 20 yards down the field. It's not like he's not looking. I think he still has the vision to see the guy downfield. I just don't think he has the arm to take it there. And people are saying that the Saints were going to go to the Super Bowl this year is one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Just because they look decent in the regular season, suddenly, you know, they're going all the way. Even if they did have a great regular season, which I don't think they will now, but without Michael Thomas, you got a noodle arm who his arm's only going to get weaker as the season goes on. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Will we see uh, Jameis Winston at some point in the season? I do. It, if the Saints start losing tons of games and they're like out of contention, like they only have seven wins and there's only three games left in the season, I for sure think you'll see Jameis Winston take the field. NFC is real tough, Spence. I mean, the Rams 2-0, the Cardinals 2-0, the Seahawks 2-0, Packers 2-0, uh, Bears 2-0, although I don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. But the rest of those teams I named, I think, have an opportunity to make some noise. And you got some good quarterback play, so it's going to be really, really tough. Uh, for the Saints and, and Drew Brees, he's got to play like the Drew Brees we've seen over the past decade more so than the one we've seen over the last year. If the Saints want to make some noise in the NFC, uh, before we get to the football coaching news, Spence, let's preview Thursday night's game uh, because we won't be back till after that game Thursday night with the rest stop. It's not really the most flashy matchup as the 0-2 Dolphins take on the 1-1 Jaguars, but we both like Minshew and the Jags with the way they've looked early. Look, I didn't expect the Jags to be anything this year. I didn't expect them to be competitive in the division. I did expect them to be better than the Dolphins. But, look, they lost their best offensive and defensive players, respectively, in Leonard Fournette and Yannick Ndokwe on defense. And they really have an argument that uh, they they maybe had a chance to be 2-0 as they got within one score uh, of that game. And they're taking on a Dolphins team who we said doesn't have a lot of big names on both sides of the ball. Uh, do you think Jacksonville gets the win in primetime? And last time Minshew was in primetime on a Thursday, um, he got the win. So what do you think uh, as far as Dolphins-Jaguars on Thursday night? Yeah, it's a close line and only minus three. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely inclined to take the favorites there. The Dolphins scored a lot of way more points at the end of that game than they should have. This could definitely be a C.J. Henderson showcase party. He had a great week one. I could see it happening again, especially with a guy like Fitzpatrick, who is prone to throw three interceptions in any given game. So I'm I'm on the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Spence, uh, Deion Sanders, new head coach of Jackson State University, historically black college, one double A school, and he's added Warren Sapp and Terrell Owens to his staff. Uh, a big splash, but is this going to be a big fail for primetime, Spence? I I think this is going to be a disaster. You go to a small school. He said, I want to start bringing NFL talent to my team, He's saying all these crazy things. He did get one transfer. I, I will give him that. But anytime you have a big 
head coaching announcement somewhere, like a famous player. We saw that with Penny Hardaway in Memphis. He got James, uh, not I'm saying James Winston, but um, James Wiseman, excuse me, to come with him immediately. So there's always going to be that one guy who who buys all in. But overall, Warren Sapp is not the kind of guy I think you want in your organization at this point. He's gotten in so much trouble when it comes to very inappropriate stuff around your team. And Trell Owens is like the poster child of inappropriate behavior overall. So I think if you're coming into something raw and dry and you've never had this big head coaching position before, you need to surround your guys surround yourself with guys who are going to be able to mentor these young kids. Cause let's project forward. These kids are going to have academic problems. They're going to have life problems. Do you want your offensive line guy, especially when you don't know how to cultivate relationships with the young guys just quite yet? Cause it's going to take time. Do you want him going to Warren Sapp asking for advice? I certainly would not. I couldn't agree more. Warren Sapp is an ass clown. Uh, and you're going to ask this idiot for advice that's uh, got fired from his last three jobs, domestic disturbances. Look, I know I know, uh, Dion and Warren are, are boys, whatever. Warren Sapp shouldn't have a job doing anything but being a, a shrimp boat captain somewhere uh, fishing out in the Atlantic Ocean. He's definitely not qualified anymore to do anything else. I mean, this guy's a clown. He can't keep a job and he can't stay straight. He can't get out of his own way of being a knucklehead. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely a believer in second chances, but I believe Warren Sapp's had three, four, five chances. And he's just as much an asshole in person as he is on TV. So, I mean, look, the guy was a great football player. He may know football, but I'm with you, Spence. I think this is a disaster. I like T.O. too, but these guys aren't outgoing people person. Person, people person. (laughs) I'm losing my train of thought. They're not – People, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> the bottom line is, Spence, is I agree this is going to be a disaster. I think Dion, I don't think the right, he's surrounded himself with the right guys. This is going to blow up. And just imagine if you would have got hired to be Florida State's coach. Remember, that was some of the conversation uh, before before he got going here at uh, at Jackson State. So, I mean, th- this could be a short reign. Three years, I give it. Maybe four tops. Yeah, I-, I see this crumbling. Again, he should have surrounded himself with football minds because I don't think he's going to be able to immediately go in and just connect with these young guys. I think they're going to see all their coaches drive up in these expensive cars and they're just going to totally get sucked into this lifestyle. I think there's going to be a lot of academic problems there. I don't think he's going to be able to deal with them. And I don't think he's surrounded himself with people that are going to help him deal with those kinds of problems. And that's, we're talking about college kids. Again, I, I always mention this all the time. We talk about college. You're not talking about professionals. Some of them are, a lot of them are 18 and 19 year olds. We're going to do 18 and 19 year old things. Spence SEC football kicks off this weekend. Finally, uh, the big boys roll it out uh, for college football. Any thoughts finally getting the the SEC out there, whether it's Alabama, Ole Miss, uh, finally SEC football going to be on the TV this weekend? Yep, I, I will be watching. I know I'm against having these college kids play, but I'm, I'm not boycotting it. So I'm all my family's like from the Ole Miss area. All, some of my cousins went to Ole Miss and they play Florida, who I believe is ranked number six. The ranking system, if we can talk about that for a second, is so sure. crazy. Like teams that you would never expect to be ranked are – suddenly at the top. And I don't think Florida in any given regular season would ever be ranked that high uh, unless, you know, Tim Tebow comes out of the grave to <laughs> start playing for them again. I'm with you. Uh, there'll be an interesting Florida matchup in college football this weekend. I believe the Hurricanes take on the Seminoles this weekend. The Hurricanes with uh, Deere King behind center look pretty good so far this year. And, and I think they'll take care of business against the Seminoles. But that's historically a rivalry matchup that'll be interesting to follow. Uh, Spence, we'll finish it up with Billy Donovan, now the new head coach of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, your thoughts on this hire? He's got some young guys around him. Wendell Carter, Lori Markkinen, Colby White. Uh, I think this is a good hire for the Bulls in an Eastern Conference where they can certainly find them way find their way into the playoff mix. Yeah, and we saw him coach a Thunder team that was not really expected to make the playoffs. And you're going to start talking about the East, where the Orlando Magic and stuff like that are able to sneak in. I'm not high on Orlando very much, so I think there's a position in the seven and eight spot that any team could be in there. So I think this was a great hiring. I'm surprised the 76ers did not pursue him harder because 
if you put Billy Donovan on the 76ers, I think you're immediately in the playoffs, obviously. But I think going forward, I think that's a Western Conference Finals team with how well he's able to coach young talent. Yeah, and uh, I guess we'll finish up with the last 10 seconds baseball. Sorry, Brian Bravo, your Houston Astros uh, look like they're not going to be making the playoffs this year in this shortened pandemic season. Dusty Baker, I couldn't quite get the boys over the hump. Justin Verlander, Tommy John surgery, he's done for the year. And the Astros, also done for the year. But if you missed any part of the show, make sure you check out us. Check out the rest stop on podcast form, whether it's Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Apple iTunes, Audio Boom. Make sure, sure you search Landry Football Conference Ball, and then you can find the rest stop underneath there. And, of course, we're live every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 to 10 o'clock Pacific time. The rest stop, and you can find us www.twitch.tv. And give us a like and subscribe on Twitch and, of course, our social media. Rad the Believer on Twitter and Spencer the Wiz on Twitter. And then, of course, our Facebook page. So, we'll see you on Thursday. This is a rough spot for myself, for Spencer the Wiz. We'll see you Thursday night. Have a great evening, everybody.